If I had not heard the singing voice that night, none of the rest might have happened. Mama might yet be carving her bones, Mordecai lingering in his attic, leading me through the same old lessons on the sperm. Both of my crows would still accompany me everywhere. I could have drifted through my life, forgetful of the time passing, and stayed always undersized. Maybe Papa would have finally come home. But it's not for me to say, though I have the keen eyes that were once the gift of all the Rathbones. Standing now on shore, looking out to the horizon, I see what I know you would not if you were standing beside me. A flock of terns, a league away, diving as one, upon a school of bream that darkens the clear blue sea to cobalt. I cannot see into the future, as my forebears sometimes could. I do know that if we hadn't fled the house that night, I would never have met the worn wives, or visited my grim in-laws on the Stark archipelago, or seen the sinking island where Papa was born. The fate of my lost brother would have remained a mystery, as would what truly happened between Mama and Papa. But I did hear the voice that night, and what I found when I followed it compelled me to flee the house with Cousin Mordecai and to shed the fog in which we had both so long lived. Though we were seeking Papa, we found our own history as we went, and that of all the Rathbones. It was a sometimes patchy tale, woven from such thread as I found. Oral histories passed down, and with each step altered, unfinished ship logs, journals washed and bloated by the sea until little could be read. Cousin Mordecai gathered much of it, while he could. Later, I took it up from him. What wasn't provided, I had to surmise. You may think it would be difficult to assemble a story in such a way. I was used to such piecework, growing up as I did in a house populated only by remnants. It was as easy for me to see the Golden Wives arrive at Rathbone House four generations ago as it was for Moses to see a school of sperm streaming through the deep. The night I heard the singing voice began like any other that summer. I had gone to my mother's room, as usual, to help her undress. Mama's room, at the front of the house, had the best view of the sea. Its line of tall windows were kept always open, the white curtains swaying in every weather. Each day, Mama wore a dress of deep-dyed indigo with a wide collar of white linen, boiled and bleached, starched and pressed, that lifted off her shoulders and unmoored her face when the wind rose. Her underclothes were sewn from soft muslin and smelled of the cedar chest in which she kept them. Her corset was of whalebone, fine strands borrowed from a fin that had once turned in the lightless deep. When she lifted her gown and leaned to let me unlace her, I saw again how she was double-ribbed, bone on bone. When I lifted the corset off, her body kept the corset's form, as though she always held her breath. But when I pressed my face against her for a moment, I felt the shallow rise and fall of her ribs. She placed the corset on the chair by the window. It stood sentinel there, a spare torso. For each year that Papa was at sea, 
she'd slid a slender bone from its channel and made me lace it tighter. The end of the ninth year was approaching. Soon Mama would be reduced. The next morning she would go down to the shore to find new sand for the hourglass she kept by her window. Her eyes turned to it whenever she walked by. Suitors had begun showing up at the house in recent months. A retired captain, two lieutenants on leave, drawn by Mama's beauty and by the stories of Rathbone wealth. After ten years, Cousin Mordecai had told me, Papa would be considered by the law to be dead. But Mama never appeared for visitors. Each suitor was ushered into a golden parlor on the second floor by Uncle Larbird and Uncle Starbird, served a plate of dry ship's biscuit and a pot of tea brewed from nettles and sawgrass, and then ushered out again, hat in hand. Mama uncoiled her braids and let them down and waited for me to unwind them. In truth, she had only to shake her head and the braids unfurled, but she knew I loved to feel the tight plates go soft and free in my hands. When she wasn't too tired, she let me sit next to her on her bed and practice my seaman's knots on her hair. Sheet bend and monkey fist, timber hitch and lineman's loop. Her hair hung in a long pale wave that she sometimes allowed me to brush. I counted the strokes slowly to make them last, her hair popping and crackling as the dark bristles moved through it. When I finished, she let me step inside the curtain of hair into her warm breath that smelled of cloves, close to the shine of her green eyes. They focused for a moment on me, and she smiled a little, then returned to her watch for Papa, her eyes trained on the sea.